I mean, also the goal, like just going back to that Galway hooker. So people said, oh yeah, when you get to Galway, you must try a pint of this Galway hooker. Now, you know, I'm no ale snob, but I come from England. So, you know, we have a good range of real ale. We're the home of real ale. And by that time, I think even, um, perhaps even craft ales were coming in then. So I'd experienced a wide choice of beers. And they had this Galway hooker. And I was like really looking forward to it. We had this bit of a crappy day, really, and these problems. And I thought, yes, this pint of Galway hooker. And it was terrible. It was just an absolute poor man's lager. Real, real letdown, weren't it, Alan? Hello, I'm Alan Hill. In this podcast series of The Nostalgic Vagabond, we're talking travel, all kinds of travel, with all kinds of interesting people from all around the world. In conversation, we'll share personal anecdotes, tales of adventure, and maybe misadventure too. Listen in for some unique cultural perspectives, tips from seasoned veterans, and an array of diverse experiences that have contributed to many life-changing journeys. Travel really is a privilege. We know that now. And if we can't do it right this very moment, let's talk about it then. Hey, where are you right now? On this Easter Monday release of the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast, I'm talking with Matt Burnett. Matt featured on the 2020 Christmas special, where he played host for an app and interviewed me just to mix things up a bit. Job well done too. I enjoyed myself. This time we talk about road trips and how our duo became informally known as the Road Bogans. From our unique driving adventures, where we travel on the cheap, we travel off the beat, and we are obliged to go to smaller places that you would never typically discover in guidebooks. These are affectionately named Bogan Towns. In conversation, Matt and I reveal what it is about road trips that we find appealing, and where Matt's international road trip experiences began, as well as my own. The USA is a wicked place to road trip. Both Matt and I have road tripped in the States. I'd always go back for another, and I'd bet Matt would too. However, Road Bogans was born on an initial trip where Matt and I explored the island of Ireland in 2015. We share some mega tips on car rental. How to not be done over by car rental companies, which can hamper your trip financially and just put you in a mood. And you don't want that at the start of your holiday, do you? Then we get into the actual drama of that funny time travelling in Ireland, Northern and the Republic of. And boy, was there some drama. From Derry to Omar, along the Great Atlantic Way, and down the coast to legendary Galway, and around again. This barely two-week trip was packed with shit. Literally actually. I'm really fond of this episode. Matt is not afraid to challenge me, and in this honest chat, some of my trait weaknesses in personality leave me left naked, bare-assed, on my own pod, mind you. But it's fine. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm always trying to improve. And I don't mind the trolling when it's done with a Leyland accent either. Anyways, let's just get to the conversation, eh? Good morning, Matt Burnett, and thanks for coming back on the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast. Yeah, no problem, Alan. Always welcome. Whereabouts are you zooming in from today, mate? Just moving in from the uh, small idyllic hamlet of Leyland, Lancashire. (laughs) (laughs) Is it cold and clear there today like it is in Liverpool? Oh, man, it's about minus four. It's the uh, beast from the East 2, they're calling it, on on the weather channels. So, yeah, minus four. 
major wind chills. It is cold. Is that better than being grey and wet, though? Yeah, I'd take this. I'd take this over the uh, never-ending gloom and dampness, yeah. (laughs) Well, today, Matt, we're going to do a bit of reminiscing, and we're going to talk about road trips. Broadly, I suppose, we're going to talk about three different things. Mm. We'll talk about some of our ideas about what we think road trips are. We'll share some of our experiences from the road. And we'll talk about some tips that we've picked up along the way, some mistakes that we might have made, some things we've heard from other travellers, and we'll cover that towards the end. But I suppose we should just start where we should start. And um, when you think about road trips, Matt, what is it about them that you like? I think it's a certain freedom to go wherever you want. I mean, I've heard, like you said, you took a trip to Tasmania. Was it when you were about 18, 19? Exactly. Yeah, so when how old do you have to be to get your license in Australia? 17, 18, yeah. Yeah, so 17 in Britain as well. And before that, you've got to remember, you've had no kind of real freedom whatsoever. Suddenly you're given this car and you're given a means to go wherever you want. All you have to do is put fuel in and insure the thing and you're on your way. <laughs> and I think that's the big thing. It's just you can look at a map, I want to go there, and you just go. And it's brilliant, you know. thing is, for me, it's like having the control and the complete autonomy over your destination and your journey. I mean, I do like buses and I like trains, but it's kind of the only difficult bit about that is getting to the platform on time and then finding your seat. But with a road trip, there's the navigation, there's the timings, there's obviously the responsibility of making sure you fuel up at the right places, put in the right fuel. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And just like... I think the responsibility is a bit more adventurous, and that's what I like about it. Also, you go to certain places. I mean, in England, we're quite fortunate. Now, I'm going to say, make quite an outlandish statement here that public transport is quite good in England. It's by no means perfect. It's expensive, not always on time and a bit disorganised, but you can get to a lot of places on public transport in England. So the train is a good option. Now... In other countries, they don't have these public transport networks. I mean, the States is a great example. You need a car. Mm. And without a car, you're missing out on a lot of things. Uh, You'll never see small towns in America. You'll never see really what I call real America unless you hit the roads. Like I say, it's slightly different in England. You can get to a lot of smaller places, and it's quite possible to do a trip on trains in England. Quite, Quite easy, to be honest. But... You know, I'm not really... There's still a lot of places you can't get to, but the car... I mean, I'm, I'm going to take it it's the same for Australia as well. Trains are known over, is that... Yeah, I remember I took a train once from where my parents live, kind of in the middle of nowhere in a state called New South Wales, and I wanted to get to Sydney, which is the biggest city in the whole place. It was atrocious. It was awful. And it took longer than it would to drive a car. I remember sitting on the train stationary for a while and I was just thinking what are we doing and I asked one of the passers-by he wasn't a guy who was working there he just seemed like a guy who'd taken the train before I said why aren't we moving he said oh we're waiting for the train in the opposite direction to pass (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) there's one line (laughs) oh man yeah yeah I can imagine that yeah there won't be many passing points will there no yeah so it was I mean I did it for the experience but yeah. Never again, really. No, and I think another good thing about going in the car as well is you've got the boot space. 
I mean, you can put all your gear in there, you can put food in there. If you want to camp, you can put a tent in, whatever. Whereas you don't really have that the same kind of options on a train or a bus. Mm. Yeah, so speaking about road trips, Matt, you, obviously you've done a few around England and the UK, but can you remember your very first road trip abroad? It, I, I, well, I mean, I don't want to encroach on our trip to Ireland, but I did do a road trip in Ireland when I was about 23 or something. Mm. I, I actually use a hire car. I mean, we'll go into that later about hire cars. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that. But yeah, it was quite an experience. Um, I mean, okay, it wasn't. It was still driving on the left-hand side, but you know, it was quite alien to me at the time. But it was it, it was great, really, being able to go around, see new places, do different things, drive a nice new car for a change because <laughs> I don't own them. You know, you, <laughs> my choices of cars are, you know. They only have one owner. It's me. Then they go to the scrapyards. <laughs> I remember my first road trip abroad. Well, I'm originally from Australia, as you, as you know. But I went to the States and drove for about a week from San Francisco down into San Diego. And that was a wonderful experience because, like you know, you drive on the opposite side of the road. Yeah. The road rules are a little bit different at times. Mm-hmm. Everything's completely new. It's a real challenge, but I really enjoyed it. And I think that's what I like about having that adventurous option with the road trip. You can figure out your journey on your own, and it's something to be proud of. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the US driving in the US, I can remember like hiring a car for the first time. And that inaugural, you just you take it out of the car park and you think, what the hell do I do? I mean, I was in Las Vegas and I think the first turn I had to make was onto a four-lane highway. <laughs> and that is, it's pretty horrendous, really. And you're just thinking, oh my, can I do this? But it's funny how it's, uh, it, it soon becomes natural driving on the other side of the road. And, you know, within about, you know, an hour of being in the car, everything, it, things are fine. You know, there's a few nuances. I mean, like you say, the road signs are different and there's a few odd different rules. Like They have the turn right rule, don't they, in the States? Oh, the traffic lights. Yeah, yeah. I've not really experienced it elsewhere, but it's a, But in fairness, I think it's a good rule. Um, <laughs> yeah, so when the traffic lights are red, you can turn right on a red light in the States. Yeah, Yeah, providing it's clear of oncoming traffic. Well, common sense prevailing, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, but, but well, maybe people listen, oh, just turn right whenever, <laughs> do what you want. Yeah, I remember when I first travelled, we had a Jeep and I was actually travelling yeah. with another British traveller and a German traveller. I didn't drive the car out of the lot. Sid, who was the guy from London I was travelling with, took on the car on the first leg, but we pulled over for some food in a strip mall as you know yeah yeah then it was my turn and i remember driving out of this enormous car park but i was on the left side of the the road instead of the right yeah yeah and Sid said, uh that. you need to be on the other side of the road i was like oh yeah that's right <laughs> and then you know little things like that at the beginning you need to just be really awake to fix it yeah you've just reminded me actually you've just reminded me of another one um me and my cousin took a road trip to france now, a similar thing there, the ferry pulls up and basically, you know, a door opens on the ferry and you're just released into France. You know, there's no preempting, <laughs> no, you're just, anyway, so he starts and my cousin's driving and I thought, well, what's he doing here? And he says, 
And we're driving it. And anyway, the car's making a sound and everything. It's like an uneven road surface. And I'm, and I'm like, and he says, am I in the right lane here? And I went, well, no, you're in the hard shoulder. Why, why, why are we driving in the hard shoulder? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it was quite, you know, yeah, it was quite amusing, really. There's always mishaps to be had when you're driving a foreign car in a foreign place and you're a road bogan, that's for sure. Oh, of course, of course. And automatic shifting as well. Yes, very typical in America. Do you have any particular memories from your American road trips that stand out? I'm just trying to think, what do you mean with regards driving or just the experience? Or Did you make any mistakes like that was scary? Like you mentioned you were pulling out onto the Vegas highways there and you were a bit apprehensive but did you make any mistakes yeah i did yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you a mistake i made yeah once when i was when i was over there for my 30th driving the highway 101 california and we were behind um, a motorcyclist and he had a pillion passenger on anyway we're quite we're quite close behind this motorcyclist and now over here i expect like motorcyclists to be like a lot quicker than a car you know, you don't you don't really get near a motorcyclist. You know, they're always pulling away. People drive like most people drive sports bikes here. Anyway, we're behind this motorcyclist for quite a while, and uh, anyway, at one point he pulls in uh, this motorcyclist to a layby, and I thought, all right. Um, anyway, signals. Now he was signalling for me to take over him. <laughs> right now, I didn't think this. I pulled in behind him. And before you knew it, I thought, oh, right, hang on. This guy's getting very panicky now. And I think he was thinking I was going to have some, like, big ruck with him. <laughs> you know, he thought, I think he generally thought, we've got trouble here. And I could see his, his, like, his wife or his girlfriend, whoever, might, well, even his mate, she was on the back and she was petrified. Huh. And, I, and I remember, like, I remember the guy, uh, my friend who was sat next to me in the car just went, just go these people think we're going to pull a gun on them. <laughs> just just go. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a strange thing. But to me, I just thought they were like asking me to pull over to give like um, directions or something. Or I've, I, I, it just didn't cross my mind at all that they wanted me to go past them. I suppose that's the, the California cruising mentality, slow and leisurely, whereas yeah, you would have been yeah. more used to just bombing along the motorway. Get out of my way. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's another thing I've noticed in different countries. It's very, whereas in Britain, like driving is quite a, a stressful endeavor. Whereas in the States and other countries, you know, you've got time to think. You can, in some ways, you can get away with making mistakes in these slower countries. In Britain, it's just insane driving now. You know, in towns and cities, it's just, it's not, it's not really an enjoyable experience. I was actually quite relieved in a way when I was doing my California road trip as my first international driving experience. And being from Australia, it's quite well known that there's a bit of road rage. And I was expecting there to be an equivalent amount in California. And that made me a little bit scared of driving in a place like Los Angeles yeah. because it's just enormous and there's so many lanes. However, I found it the complete opposite. I've never been more relaxed driving in Los Angeles. I was just chilled out, had one elbow on the console, yeah. my arm on the steering wheel, beats playing at the traffic lights, super chilled out. And I found that the drivers there as well were just really relaxed too. No one was getting anywhere in a hurry. They were just chilled out. I think American drivers are far more patient. Um, you find it at crossroads. Have you noticed it's sort of like, um, no, you go. No, you go. No, please go first. 
Whereas, I mean, you make a mistake in Britain, man, it's like people are wanting to fight you, pull you over, you know, they're flashing at your horns, everything going. And you just, I don't know, I just never seem to get that in, in the States. And I, was, I mean, I'm not, it, it will happen. I'm not, it, obviously it does happen, but not with the frequency it would over here. You're talking about those four-way stop signs, Matt, where there's an intersection and every single point on the intersection has a stop sign. Yeah, And that's we it. don't have yeah. these no, we don't, anywhere no. else. And you sort of go, well, how does this work? I had this experience just outside of uh, San Francisco heading south. We went through a smaller few towns to kind of keep to the coast road as much as possible. And yeah, just came across this four-way stop sign. Do we just go, whoever got here first goes first? And then if that's the case, how do we keep remembering who was here first and which order I'm in? But like you said, they were so polite. It was almost a case of being too polite. Yeah. Am I going? No, you go. Am I going? No, you go. No, you go. Okay, we're both going. Oh, no, no, you go. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, it's it's, it's good. but like I said, we, I mean, I don't, is it Aussie, is it more roundabouts in Australia? Is it more like Britain in, in some ways? Yeah, the roundabout version. I mean, like you say, it's just, you just know what's happening, don't you? But the crossroads, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I quite like it, to be honest. Keeps the speed down too, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, and the thing in America as well, they have, like when you say, I mean, we do have stop signs over here and obviously have to stop, but there's a lot more of them in the States. And I think it's a real big deal if you like roll on a stop sign, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So my mind's just taking me back now, Matt, to 2015, and you called me up on the phone and you said, Alan, what are you doing around my birthday, June, July? And I said, uh, what's up? And you said, do you want to go on a road trip for a couple of weeks to Ireland and explore the island of Ireland? And I thought about it for three seconds and I thought, yes, let's do that. I was curious to know, Matt, why did you want to explore there? Was it maybe because a lot of the Game of Thrones was filmed there? There's lots of attractive destinations in terms of that. Did you have any family roots out there maybe? Or were you just intrigued to explore somewhere relatively close to home? Do you remember why you wanted to go out there? I think more than anything, it was the simplicity of it. Obviously, I think we just had, was it two weeks if that? Yeah, yeah. If that, 10 days, something like that. And I thought, yeah, it, I didn't particularly want to go around Britain. I thought, yeah, I've done that to death. I don't really want to do that. And I thought, yeah, Ireland, I mean, we can, we can, you know, you can sort of, you can get on a ferry, you can take your, you know, you can fly over or whatever, you know, it's easy to do, uh, driving on the left. Um, and also I wanted to check out a lot of the small rural places. And as I said earlier in the podcast, you just simply cannot do that on trains and public transport in Ireland. It's, it, it's made really difficult for you. And also, they have a couple of like, I was uh, reading the travel guides and things, and um, they have like very scenic drives as well. Mm. And I like that, you know, the idea of a scenic drive where you can, you know, just while you're driving, look around, see nice, you know, views and vistas or whatever, you know, and stop off. And so it really appealed to me that. Yeah. So I remember we, we flew in from Manchester to Belfast and picked up a car there. We made this vague idea that we would just do a massive loop and then drop the car off again in Belfast and then fly back. And why did we do the loop, Alan? Why did we do that? this is tip number one, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, this leads us to tip. A brilliant um, leading us there into tip number one, Alan. If you return the car to the same place you picked it up, you will avoid any drop-off fees where the rental company will charge you 
a certain amount of money because you've left the car at a different destination to where you picked it up. So buyer beware. Totally, totally. And we're talking, these aren't some like like £10 fee or something. These are serious fees. Well, while we're at the point, Matt, do you want to talk about some other tips about booking rental cars? And this goes pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, But do you want to just go through a couple right now? We may as well just get them over and done with. Yeah, let's get it done. I mean, the first thing's first. The price you get on the internet is not the price you get when you turn up. So you'll put all your details in what car you want, even even to the, the limits of insurance and things. You'll get this price on the internet. You'll even pay over the internet, and you think, that's it, I'm done and dusted. Then you'll turn up to the rental place, go in, think just a case, oh, this is just a case of signing a couple of forms, pick up my keys, I'm on my way. <laughs> How wrong you are. No, you're not doing that. Suddenly you sat down, you need this insurance, you need that insurance. Have you got vehicle waiver collision damage cover? Have you got this? And before you know it, you can be doubling the price of your car rental. I mean, I mean, Alan, I mean, just tell us about a few of the add-on prices. Right. So I remember I've fallen for that trick before years ago when I wasn't aware that when you do go to pick up your car, you've already paid your your rental, your daily rental rate to X number of dollars or pounds or euros or whatever. And they will recommend you buy an insurance, which is another daily rate again, which often can just double the price of the rental. Now, you don't need that because you can purchase the exact same thing from a third party for a fraction of the price. What the rental companies will try to rip you off with, more or less, is a insurance excess cover. If you have an accident in the car, they will make you pay 1500 3000 3500 some ridiculous amount of money. That's what they will say, oh, but you won't pay a cent of that if you take out this daily insurance policy. So you kind of need to have that, but you don't want to be buying that from the rental company itself. You want to buy it from a third party. Example of this is, let's say you go to rental car company A, you've got a £20 a day rental for five days, that's £100. You've already paid that. They'll say to you, the excess will be £5,000 if you have an accident. However, if you want to pay £19 a day for five days, we'll waive that cover. So there's another £95 you have to pay again. Now, you can get the exact same thing from a third-party insurer for about £10 for the five days. And and, uh, if I remember rightly, doesn't that cover you for like a year or something? Uh, You can get it for a whole year, which will be a little bit more than £10. It might be about... 50 pounds but it's still half the price of your 10-day rental and you've covered for the whole year so do not buy do not buy excess insurance cover from the rental company get it from somebody else just go online and search it out there's loads of companies but make sure you get that cover yes. though <laughs> yeah do get something because i do know someone else who had a, a small prang in a car um a higher car and my word were they charged yeah. for it so a word of warning there. And Matt, I remember you told me that you've had a few issues as well with the age of drivers, whether you want to have a second driver on the vehicle, whether you want a GPS included. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is another thing. Um, for younger listeners out there, 
maybe hiring a car. Now, I can't speak for all car rental firms. It might not apply to them all, but... I do know when I went to, when I drove in Ireland the first time I was about 23 24 once again no one told me this and suddenly on my policy oh oh how old are you oh oh you should have oh well we didn't know this um there's actually an extra charge for a young driver premium under 25 I mean, once again, I don't know what that's all about. Unfortunately, there's no work around that. I mean, maybe a false passport or something. <laughs> I don't know. But unfortunately, you can't buy your way out of that one. I mean, it, you know, it's just one of them things, but it's something you're going to have to look out for if you're a younger person driving that. Maybe try a different rental company, you know. Maybe some don't do this policy. Yeah, it's just bad, really. I mean, it's not fair, but that's how it is. And another thing I've been caught out on as well is agreed a price once again. And just make sure when you're agreeing a price, if you're going to do additional drivers, make it known then. Mm. Because I made the mistake of getting to the States, then mentioning about an additional driver. Or can we add, well, actually, we thought our policy covered it. It didn't. Then suddenly additional driver, and you were talking, I think it was something like an extra $60 a day additional driver. (laughs) And they wouldn't. The thing that really annoyed me about this was, the person who was sharing the driving with me wasn't there for the full trip, mm-hmm. but they'd booked the car in their name. We were saying, well, this person's only here for like half of the trip. Can we not switch it so that I would be the main driver who was there for two weeks? Yeah. And that when this, uh, this person could be the additional, oh no, it's in his name. He's booked for two weeks. You're additional for two weeks. Wow. So it was a double stinging. So that's something. If Yeah, if you both... Say you're going with someone else and you're sharing driving and one person's leaving earlier, make sure the main driver is the person who books it. Yeah. That's a big tip. Yeah. The thing is with these, Matt, isn't it, that every excess fee that you have to pay is a daily fee. So if you want to have an extra driver, if you want to have an underage driver, if you want to have GPS included, even if you want a baby booster seat, it's an extra charge per day. Yeah, yeah, I think you've really got to do your homework. Like, you know, when you're back at home and really think, what do I need? How many days am I having this? If you've got an additional driver, like you say, or a younger driver, try and make it so they're only driving for the minimum days possible. Mm. And and coming to the GPS thing, now this is a major scam nowadays, this GPS, because most of us now have got, you know, smartphones or whatever. We've got Google Maps, we've got Apple. But what I also found in the States, now they didn't tell me this last time, now this is two years ago, so they were quite quick to like wanting to sell me the GPS unit, you know, oh, we've got these GPS, but the GPS was actually built into the car. <laughs> You'll find this now with a lot of modern cars, as soon as you plug your phone in, it'll either be, I think it's Apple Auto and Google Drive, which is a driving app, will load up automatically, so there's absolutely no need for you to have the GPS, you know, it's a real scam. That's another one. So, yeah. I mean, it might be worth asking the hire car firm, you know, do they have these um, built-in set? Well, they probably won't tell you. They probably won't tell you. But end of the day, take your phone, get a prepaid SIM card or a pay-as-you-go or check your data tariff, and you're going to be okay. You'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, the sat-nav, I mean, I think that was ridiculous charges of something like $30 a day. I mean, you could have even bought one for that. <laughs> Exactly. So it's really easy to be upsold on so many things when getting a rental. So just be aware of that and learn from our mistakes because I remember traveling with my brothers before. I felt so guilty too that 
we had to basically pay twice as much as what we were expecting to pay. And we didn't have to in the end, in hindsight, because I got duped. So beware of that. Another couple of things as well. Book as early as possible. Use comparison sites if you can. Yeah. But the main thing is just don't be duped. What do you say, Matt? Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's it's not the greatest start to your trip when your higher car price suddenly doubles. And also, make sure, just another tip as well, when you first get the hire car, take photos of it, the condition of it. Uh, make it know. I mean, you'll get a, a disclaimer strip or something like that. Make sure you, any scratches or any blemishes on the car, paintwork or anything, any little bumps, scrapes, mark them down, take pictures of them. Yeah, for sure. So, Matt, as we were saying before, we got sidetracked by all our tips and tricks of not being screwed by car rental companies. We were talking about how we went to Belfast initially for our tour of the island of Ireland. And I remember we went up to the north coast and then around to the top, down the west side, inland a bit, right into the guts of Ireland, into Galway, cut about across um, back into Northern Ireland again and into Belfast. It was kind of a non-guidebook tour and we did that on purpose because we're road bogans we travel on the cheap we travel off the beat and we want to go to at least one bogan town you've got to do your butt yeah uh, it's a key thing you need a bogan town so that's basically if you don't know what a bogan town is it's somewhere with absolutely no tourist attractions it will never feature <laughs> in any tourism guide or anything it looks bad <laughs> but usually, but what you will find is you usually have a great time in them. Yeah, because it's just real life, isn't it? Yeah, and and I think it, it's you know when we're talking about traveling and things, you know these are real places. Yeah, it's real places, real experiences, and real people. And sometimes when you go to, I mean, we've mentioned this before. Sometimes when you go to your Londons or your whatever your big cities, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, they have the tourist attractions, they're fantastic, brilliant, but. It's not the real place. You're not getting a real idea of the, the the country or whatever, you know. Whereas these small town places, these people will give you their opinions. They'll be true. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't like you, they'll be quick to tell you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Generally speaking, we do okay with that. We're often going to places with an open mind and asking questions and Usually we we do all right with people, even if they're a bit put off from us yeah. in the beginning. But we, they yeah, we come around to us in the end. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah, yeah. It, it takes a while, but they they see the inner bargain in us too, and you know, there's a a relationship there. <laughs> they relate. We're relatable. So we did a nice mixture of a few kind of touristy things, I suppose, and then real destinations in Northern Ireland. Let's say specifically more than what I call regular island, I guess the Republic of Ireland. Yeah. But we went to a few Game of Thrones sites. Uh, we went to some points of interest. Uh, we went to Galway. We went to Donegal and had a look around there. We did a great drive through the Atlantic Way all the way to Lackal Island. We went to Omar and Armagh, proper bogan towns. And then Belfast was quite an interesting way to top it off. Do you have any particular standout memories from that experience Matt I do I'm just remembering one thing now we went to check out do you remember the I hope I'm pronouncing this right the Carricka Reed Rope Bridge or something 
Oh, yeah. Do you remember that, Alan? Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's what it, it's on all your tourist, tourism things. And um, so basically you go, it's on, it's on, it's on the um, northeast tip of Ireland, if I remember rightly. Yes. Of Northern Ireland. Yes. Yeah. And basically the National Trust run this. And to put you in the picture now, it's a little rope bridge that crosses between like uh, one small island to another. And it's like a historical thing. I think it's been there for probably like 200 years or whatever, even longer. I've been twice and I've never crossed this bridge. And why is that, Alan? Why have I not crossed this bridge? Because it costs about six quid or seven quid. Yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, apparently, it never cost anything. Going back 10 years ago, you could just go, cross it, brilliant, get your photo, fantastic. Now, uh, the National Trust are there. There's some massive security barricade before you get on it. To me, they've just completely ruined the thing. <laughs> and I just begrudge. I mean, it sounds really tight, but I just begrudge pay. And I know the National Trust are there and they say, well, we maintain it, we do this, but no, 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 I'm not paying. And it's just that that massive security uh, compound has absolutely ruined the thing. <laughs> And and uh, anyway, and we weren't we weren't paying that six quid, were we, Alan? It wasn't happening. It was something you had to think a lot about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For me, Matt, I remember London Dairy or Dairy, depending on which way you're inclined, as a place that really stood out to me because I'd previously been to Belfast and found that yeah. super interesting historically with you know, the so-called troubles and the tensions that exist still in the city there, but was crazy back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Derry or, or London Derry, however you want to call it, still has a similar kind of tension, which I didn't expect at all. No, no. And it has certain neighborhoods where you really feel that vibe and there's that like a mural section comparatively to Belfast. There's, there's a similar kind of neighborhood where you've got these artworks which make portraits of the vibe and the scene and it was very very confronting what would you say yeah i would say the difference with belfast and uh, derry or london derry is that belfast has been modernized and i think things have really moved on in belfast and whereas in london derry they are in the process of modern modernizing it but it's not there yet and in some ways, that's a good... If you want to get an understanding of all this historical trouble, of the troubles and the history behind it, go to Londonderry um, or Derry. I mean, do you remember there was the Peace Bridge, Alan? Yes. Yeah, I mean, and we went to, we went to an area called Bogside as well, which is like a, a Catholic area, and that's where all the murals are. And you can tell there's still an edge to that place. I don't. I'm, a, I'm not saying to anyone, anyone who's listening here, oh, it's dangerous. It's just because I didn't feel I didn't feel in danger at any point. I mean, do you remember we took a, a small tour, Alan, one of the locals, mm -hmm. and he showed us round, didn't he? And if I remember rightly, I had a, quite a mixed background. I think uh, if I remember rightly, was his mum Catholic and his dad was Protestant, which are the two, as it were, rival factions. And it was really interesting to see both sides of the story. It's Yeah, it's a very unique place, Derry, very unique. As much as I say I could feel tensions and it was a confronting place, 
that aside, we went and had a few drinks in a local pub one night and just got chatting to the locals. And it was an absolute pleasure just hanging out with them, wasn't it? Oh, oh definitely. I mean, like, you're not going to get any hassle there. If you if you go, you know, you go and visit it, it's not like a war zone or something. It's not nothing like that. Yeah, it was. I do remember, though, one thing. Do you remember the Weatherspoons was dirt cheap? <laughs> I know, I know. There's probably people thinking, "Oh, well, you could have seen all these cultural monuments," but that really stuck in my mind that the Weatherspoons was the cheapest Weatherspoons I've ever come across. <laughs> I couldn't believe the prices in there. Oh uh, yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> now. Speaking of confrontational, Matt, I imagine you probably had more of an idea about this than I had because you're from this part of the world and I'm from Australia and I'm more of a bogan than you are. But we went obviously off off the main roads and we explored some random towns. There were places where you saw colours changing from town to town and there was bunting draped across between the buildings in the main street and the curbsides were coloured in particular colours representing whether they were Republicans or Loyalists. I was completely thrown by that. Were you expecting that kind of stuff or did you kind of just take it in your stride? I'd heard about it, but I wasn't expecting it to that level, to be honest, because I thought, I know it sounds really bad, but I thought maybe in like Placid Belfast, you know, it might it might even be kept as sort of a tourist thing for you to look at, you know, but we were seeing it even in small towns and places in the middle of nowhere and this was still going on. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, it was quite a surprise to me. I I don't think the word shocking, it was just, yeah, I'd never seen anything like that before. I didn't didn't think I'd be coming across that and uh, yeah, it was, it was different, very. Yeah, I remember we stopped for lunch to get fish and chips in one of these places and just went into a local, it was a sit-down fish and chip shop, so a bit more upper class than you know, your local takeaway. I don't know if you remember, but I just found the people we were talking to to be completely one-sided and saying things that you know, we kind of thought if we said the wrong thing here or we gave them another perspective, perhaps from the other side, we could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I definitely got that vibe as well. I think yeah, you've got to watch your tongue there. But for us, we it's easy to stand outside and look at things and go, oh well, what's his problem? What's their problem? But I suppose when you've had, I mean, this is, I mean, we are going too like deep politically or whatever. This has been a thing. This this has been going on for a long time, and yeah, I get the feeling. I think. You're exactly right there. I remember being in that chip shop and thinking, you, we say something wrong here. We are in. We are going to be in some deep trouble. And you've got to bite your tongue a bit, really, in these situations. And just listen to the people. I mean, and sometimes you do learn things. You know, there, there's certain things people were saying. I thought, well, yeah, I sort of, yeah, I get that point of view. I get this. But then other times I'm thinking, well, I don't really agree with this person. But it's about having respect for the views. When you're traveling to different places, you're always going to have that. You know, it's easy as an outsider to go into a place and, you know, you have, you know, you have these, but we have like very media driven views as well. Yeah. Whereas when you speak to the man on the ground, it's a very different view. It's really interesting point you've raised, Matt, because I think as a traveler, when you're going to different places, you're obviously coming from two different worlds in a lot of contexts and your opinion or worldview could conflict with the local person of which you're experiencing their worldview. 
sometimes it might seem unjust, sometimes it might seem completely wrong. But like you said, Matt, you got to be careful what you say because you've got different life experiences. You also have to be non-judgmental. You have to be incredibly respectful and you have to listen. I think at the end of the day, a lesson that everyone can kind of just keep in mind is that if you're traveling, you just have to take things as they are and then ponder them after the fact instead of getting into an argument about what somebody should be doing or how about have you thought of this when that potentially is not going to be productive anyway. No, it's not going to work. I mean, you could, um, I mean, possibly the best thing, I mean, these people themselves, they might not have traveled. They might, perhaps if we could have got that person from a chip shop, right, and landed him elsewhere in the world for like three weeks or whatever, he might have a completely different viewpoint. Mm. It's a good point. Yeah, you know, I mean, he may, he may, well, he might suddenly think, well, what's all that about? What am I arguing about here? Is this, you know, but then again, he may not. It might reinforce <laughs> his views. I don't know. It's just not easy. It's not easy. And you think, and there's a lot of history behind that. And you've got to be careful about making outlandish statements. And sometimes it's just best to be quiet. Speaking of best to be quiet, do you remember Omar Guard? Oh, the biggest of Bogan towns in Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but some good memories from the place. That's what I'm going to say about that place. Yeah, Omar is a place almost bang in the centre of Northern Ireland, and it would never feature, I would say, on any tourist guidebook list. But we went there because we wanted to go there, and it was a hilarious night out, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a couch surf, if I'm right. It was a couch surf, yeah, with a local girl, yeah. Well, we didn't think it was going to happen to start with, did we? If you remember, um, I think you, you sent a couple of text messages out saying, oh, oh we're still okay to come, are we? and we were getting no responses as we were getting nearer and nearer to the town. We had our finger on the panic button, really. Yeah, the thing is, Matt, I was freaking out especially because I've always been a massive advocate in terms of couch surfing and and I've always tried to bring you around the skeptic let's say yeah. that couch surfing is awesome and on this particular occasion we were basically in the car it was raining we were next to the pub where we were supposed to meet on time sending text messages no responses and I looked at you and I was thinking oh balls this is going to blow up in my face but in the end it all worked out it certainly did. I think what happened was we parked up, if I remember, and suddenly a message, uh, go to this certain pub. Mm -hmm. If you remember, right? <laughs> yeah, did we get, go to this pub, we will meet you shortly. Yeah, I'm still hungover, I think she said too. Yeah, that was us. Or, or is it, we've been on a session. I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah. So, you know, um, so went in this pub, and if I remember right, it was quite, it was quite uh, lively, the pub already we went to. Mm. Yeah, and I think what happened, Matt, is, and I totally understand too, if you're a woman who's hosting two blokes, you know, there is potential for things to go wrong. Unfortunately, that's how some people think. So meeting in a pub, making us wait, meeting us in a, in a, in a, a public safe zone, I think we were just getting sussed out because... That's a clever move from her, the, I think, personally. You know, you can view us from afar, check us out, any alarm bells, and she doesn't even have, to, even have to show herself. Do you know what I mean? So that I think in hand, yeah, she was clever with that. Yeah, that's an intelligent move. That's that's intelligence, really. Yeah, but I mean, we won them over as we always do because I remember what happened was her girlfriend came in 
and joined us in the pub. And then her father came in and was drinking with us in the pub. And then they went out and bought us two enormous pizzas to eat for dinner. Yeah, yeah. And then another friend who was hiking all day in the middle of nowhere, who was hilarious, he came and joined us. And then we went back to their place and just had loads of Guinness to drink and had a bit of a sing-song. Yeah, uh, she broke the guitar out, I remember. Yeah, we had this sing-song and the dad was telling us some stories from the old days and all kind of things. And uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, What could have been horrendous, really, and what could have been a disaster three hours earlier turned into a fantastic night, if I remember. And I thought, oh, this is brilliant. I think most of the town was won over by the end of it. Not <laughs> not bragging or anything, but like I said, it seemed to be like whoever we talked to was having a really good time and a really good laugh. And on the outside, that's a strange thing I'll say about Omar, actually. On the outside, when you get to it, it's a very grey town. It's not aesthetically pleasing. It's not easy on the eye. But the people there seem to be having a genuinely good laugh once you get a few ales inside them. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were very funny, very friendly, and they told us so many stories that night, I think all up to about four, half past four in the morning. It was it was a great, great night of drinking and chatting and having a sing-song and sharing some stories. Yeah, and I think I think as well our host was quite surprised. I think it was the first time she'd ever took part in the, in the couch serving thing, if I believe if I'm right there. And I think she was very surprised and enjoyed it. And I'm she, I don't I don't like say sometimes it's sad you don't keep in touch with these people from couch surfing, you know. And you wonder like I wonder if she took any more guests in or you know, that I'd love to hear her, her memories on this occasion. <laughs> because that was such a, a long night and we had a massive drive the next day, it was a bit of an ordeal, wasn't it? But I suppose the fact that we were driving all the way out to the west coast of the Republic of Ireland along the the Great Atlantic Way. Those roads, man, they kept us awake, didn't they? Even though the quiet rural roads, you've got to be alert because, I mean, there's like there's a lot of single-track roads, farm traffic, animals. I remember like some kid running out on us at one point. <laughs> real, some real close shaves with the car. Yeah, so yeah, you've got to be alert, yeah. Yeah, it's a completely different thing to motorway or three-way driving. Yeah, yeah. But just get, but I mean, like you say, you're hungover, get the window down and (laughs) take in that fresh air. Yeah, I remember that was an absolute mammoth day. I think we drove like all day, like a decent nine-hour day of driving. And when you're tired and a bit hungover, it is challenging. So we split up the driving as much as we could. And eventually we got to... Ackle Island, where we were staying for the night. I'll be honest, Matt, and say that I learned a lesson about myself and my my personality on this day because I was really tired. Yeah. And that was a lesson where I learned when I'm really tired, I'm extremely irritable and I'm going to go off. And boy, did I go off when we got to the hotel. <laughs> I don't think it helped originally because at Ackle Island, right, do you remember we were driving and it seemed to take, oh, there it is. So we saw it and it looked like it was about a mile away, but it seemed to take another like ages to get. It just wasn't getting any nearer. <laughs> and I think that was adding as well to like your irritability. Um you know, because the place wasn't getting any nearer. The weather started as well. It absolutely lashed it down on that place. And then we got to the hotel, which is uh I'll let Alan take this from here. We saw a darker side of Alan at this point. Yeah, we got to, we got to this hotel. It was in this little town, which 
you know, it was quiet. There wasn't much going on. Well, I call it a hamlet. I wouldn't even call it a town. Yeah, fair play. And we go in and check in and I've got my receipt in front of me on a piece of paper, you know, before smartphones had everything on them. Twin room for one night. And so the old geezer takes us to the room, the only room he has left, he says, and open the door and there's this tiny double bed in this little double suite. And I was like, I really don't want to, no offense to Matt, I was thinking, I just don't want to share a bed with Matt tonight. I, I asked for a twin room. I want a twin room. And he said, this is the only room we have. And I basically looked at Matt and I was like thinking, I'm going off now. And I said to the guy, the hotel guy, this is not acceptable. (laughs) I asked for a twin room. Don't have a twin room. It's your problem. What are you going to do about it? And he made a call and he said, oh, one of my colleagues who has another hotel down the hill, kind of more in the center of this little hamlet or village, they've got a twin room for you. So I said, damn straight they do. So we're going there. I think, Matt, you were a bit bemused by how I was. <laughs> yeah, I wanted you to die, basically. <laughs> I, just, uh, I was like, yeah. Because I just, I mean, my view on it was it was going to be one night and I thought, well, I can put up with this. This isn't a problem, man. You know, yeah. uh, I've, you know I've had far worse than this, but I could just tell, you know, you were on one and you, were, you weren't <laughs> going to accept this. <laughs> and I just and I thought right, I'll just take a step back here. And I, I, I've got to say, I did feel for the old guy a bit. I thought, you know, he's <laughs> he's between a rock and a hard place here. <laughs> but anyway, fair play to the guy. He called up his colleague at the other hotel down the road, and they had a. But I did like the new hotel though. <laughs> yeah, the the place we went to we go in there. They've got a double room, well, a twin room for us, but they had two massive beds. It was an actual deluxe suite. It was so much better. I reckon like a whole star and a half better than where we were before. So I think in the end, we did well to get a proper decent room because we were so freaking knackered that night. Oh, God, yeah. And and also that night as well, that Ackle Island. I mean, lovely place. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice place. If you want a rural retreat, that's the place to go. No phone signals and you are on your own. Like I said, the weather wasn't great. It was awful, truly awful. It was cold, <laughs> rain, all horrible. But did we try and look for a pub or something? And we went for a bit of a walk. And uh, <laughs> the only we just, I just remember seeing this old shepherd guy, and he looked about two hundred or something, you know. And I just really felt for this bloke, you know. And he was trying to get these sheep back out of the storm and things. And and the whole place seemed like it was. It's like it was like going back two hundred years or something basically a time machine but it was nice it was okay i mean in lovely weather it's probably a fantastic destination it's just that we don't get lovely weather it doesn't happen when i go on these trips that's how it goes that's how it rolls i remember we were looking for a place to drink have a little dinner and it was pissing down rain so we didn't have the patience to be patrolling too much and everywhere we went was closed and so we just was thinking sod this just went back to the hotel had a beer and a dinner in the hotel, and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that was the whole Ackle Island experience, I think, game over. (laughs) Made the most of those double beds, I suppose, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, Matt, to, I would say, probably one of my most memorable destinations and experiences of the trip 
we're in the Republic of Ireland now because we we did a little tour of the island of Ireland. We did a bit of Northern Ireland. We did a bit of the Republic. And we went to Galway. Yeah. And I'd never been to Galway before. And Galway's on the west side of Ireland, almost, you know, due west from Dublin, which is on the east side of Ireland. And whenever people think about Ireland, it's just Dublin, 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 Dublin. And, you know, fair enough. I get that. But I would say if you get the chance, you got to check out Galway. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, going back to the Dublin thing, I mean, when I was telling other people about this trip, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll be going to Dublin. Uh, no, no Dublin. <laughs> and I'm not, that's not knocking Dublin, but I've been a couple of times, you know, I've, I've done Dublin, you know, I've done, been there, done that. And this was a strict, we are going round Dublin on this trip. We are not going to be stopping. But Galway, yeah. A lot of people will miss out on Galway. Cracking little seaside place. Yeah, lovely place. Nice, traditional. It's got a good vibe going on. I remember that, like we went to watching like live music and things. A lot of history there. Yeah, it's great. What's the place called, Alan? There's like sort of part of, is it called Salt Hill? Yes, I think Where it's so. like the more, there's like, a lot of bed and breakfast there. And it's, very, it's the actual seaside place. It's basically attached to Galway. I think it's called Salt Hill because we had a walk up there one day, didn't we? Yeah, when I always go to these, well, cities, I suppose, that are big enough to have a reasonable population, I'm a huge advocate of free walking tours. It's a great way to get some information on the town, some history of the town, maybe some local tips of the town. And it's often done by a local person who takes you around for an hour or two hours, two and a half hours, and just gives you a a little taste on foot of the sights and smells and sounds of the city. And I've done loads of these. You've done a bunch of them too, Matt, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll recommend them, yeah. And on this particular one, I'll have to be honest, Matt, and say that I wasn't particularly impressed. What what were your thoughts on on this one? (laughs) Well, end of the day, like you said, you go into these tours and you've got to remember they are a free tour, right? To me, if it's absolutely terrible, at the end of the day, it's a free tour. And now they work these free tours, what you're supposed to do at the end of the tour, it's no obligation, but the tour guide will ask for a tip. And, you know, and I'm like, fair enough, you know, this person's give up the time. Yeah, and I, I usually tip them, you know. Um... Now, this tour in particular, no, it wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the greatest tour. It seemed a bit rushed. The girl who was doing it wasn't the most knowledgeable on the area. I think we asked a few questions and she didn't know the answers. But in my mind... She, um, it was her free time and she took us out and I thought she deserved a tip. You didn't, Alan, did you? <laughs> Not at all. I was so begrudged and I was talking with you and saying, this was rubbish. I'm not going to tip this because it was crap. And you looked at me and said, Alan, don't be a massive bellend. Yeah, don't be a... Comp- and I think yeah. you gave about a tenner. You might have given about a tenner, a bit less than a tenner. And I was like... Yeah, t- I think about 10 euros. I was like, yeah, you know... Wasn't the greatest, but... It, it, and I think I gave her about two or three euros and you looked at me with the dirtiest look. I never think I've seen you look at me like that before. <laughs> no, I was I was absolutely disgusted with you. I mean, <laughs> to listeners of the podcast here, I've known Alan a long time and uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, you you do have a reputation as a bit of a tight ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be straight here, Alan. You know what I mean? I'm not saying Alan isn't generous um, with people. I'm not saying, you know, but he, um, if Alan pays for a service, he expects full value from it. That's all I can say. 
Yes, I can't really argue with that, Matt. However, I am going to say that I've been trying to improve that side of me with the beratings that I've been receiving over the years from you and your cousin about my unwillingness to spend. I'm getting better, but we can always improve ourselves, can't we? Oh, yeah. There's a long way to go, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I remember we gave this woman, the tour guide, our tips and I was kind of just ready to leave. I'd had enough and it was lunchtime. So I remember you and I went to the spa, the Bogan shop and got a sandwich and a drink. And we decided to go to the water where there was a big green space and a museum and just loads of people enjoying a really lovely sunny day. We were just sitting on a log or a bench together, having a sandwich and a drink. And um, yeah, well, obviously, I think it was a quayside, I think, if I remember rightly. There was someone in front of us, and they were uh, they were feeding the pigeons, you know, just throwing bits of bread. And I know this was really annoying you, Alan, because these pigeons took a couple of flights over us, and you were like, oh, that bloody woman there, what's she doing? Why is she throwing? She shouldn't be encouraging it, you know? And I was like, I wasn't pretty much taking any notice, really, of this. And uh... I just cut in there, Matt, and say they were they were seagulls. Much more scary than pigeons. Oh, sorry, it's seagulls. Sorry, no. Yeah, that, and that's a big. Yeah, that's a big part of the story. Sorry, they weren't pigeons; they were seagulls, right? Anyway, I was just like, I was too busy having my dinner. I wasn't bothered really. I just want. I thought I just want to eat. I'm not. I don't, I don't care what she's doing really. It doesn't bother me. Anyway, it was really. You were getting really irate about this woman throwing this bread to these seagulls, and then there was a point where she threw the bread. Did you did you do something? I can't remember. Did you stand up and try and shoo the seagulls away or something? I was just watching this happen and I was saying to you how I was like becoming increasingly angry at this woman throwing little pieces of bread out into these patch of seagulls. And every time she threw a piece of bread, more and more seagulls kept coming to the game. Throwing more bread, throwing more bread, throwing more bread. Now there was like a swarm of seagulls, right? And I was like, Matt, this is not going to end well. This is bad. And then the woman got so intimidated, she just lobbed the whole baguette into these swarm of seagulls. <laughs> In our direction, I may have. The bag, the bag basically landed at our feet. <laughs> so, so then what happened, obviously, like, as the bags landed at our feet, the seagulls have then been spooked because it's that near to us. We've stood up. The seagulls have all been spooked. They've all taken off. There was about 50 seagulls. And they just went whoosh, and you could feel like the wind off there, you know, flapping as they all just flew off into every direction. And we were both there sort of alert, mid-sandwich, and all of a sudden I just got this (laughs) and I was covered in shit. And you were right next to me and had absolutely nothing on you. We were literally inches apart. Yeah, you were splattered completely. And I looked around and I thought, well, I looked at Alan and I thought, man, I thought if he's been hit, the, there's got to be something on me. And I'm checking, I thought, is it on the back of my shirt? Is it on the pants, on my shoes? Nothing, absolutely nothing. And I turned and I looked at Alan and you were absolutely fuming then. You were like livid about this, which you would be. I mean, you're covered in seagull shit. It's not, not the best turn of events, is it? But all I thought, I just looked at it and I thought, Karma. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you get for giving a lousy three euro tip. And you learned a harsh lesson that day because it didn't end there, did it? Because when we got back to the hostel, 
They had laundry facilities, didn't they, Alan? Mm-hmm. And this is another one of your temper tantrums. <laughs> so let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, so we were basically at a point in our trip where we'd run out of clean clothes. We'd properly exhausted our supply of clothes and we needed to do a laundry wash. And one of the reasons why I booked the hostel that we were staying in in Galway was because they had a, a laundry facility, super convenient. Basically, you and I were wearing our last pieces of clothing, which was pretty bogan, I have to say, what we were wearing. Yeah, I mean, if I remember correctly, I was going out. You've got to remember, this is the west coast of Ireland. It's it's lashing it down, and I'm wearing Bermuda shorts in the pubs. I think you're wearing a vest top as well, like a dark-coloured vest top or yeah, something. Yeah, vest top and Bermuda shorts. I looked a complete bogan, absolutely. Yeah, and you were covered in seagull cack. Yeah, and I was wearing trousers that I'd already worn too many days. So they were starting to smell. They were covered in shit. I was wearing a shirt that was needed to be washed, but, you know, it was the last shirt I had. It was covered in shit. My forearms were covered in shit. The back of my neck was covered in shit. I was covered in shit. It was awful. And we go back to the, the hostel to pick up our clean laundry, which we paid eight euros for, which I think is pretty pricey. Right. Yeah, but I mean, it was advertised, if I remember right, as a bespoke service. Like, well, you know, your clothes will come back better than you. <laughs> yeah. So we were all excited about this, thinking, yeah, we're, we're absolutely like, you're a cat-ridden bogan, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm just dressed as one. And this was going to be a massive treat, these press clothes. <laughs> and that didn't happen, did it? No, so we go back to the, ho- the hostel reception, and this guy proper bellend he just looks at us and says yeah i haven't done it i said to him we gave it to you last night you said it'll be done by the next day oh you haven't done it i said why not just haven't done it it's just not acceptable (laughs) basically we were like well what are we going to do now we want to go out tonight and and sample galway nightlife and we had nothing to wear no, no. I mean, I could just remember like you trying to rinse a bit of cack off and making it even worse. It was just all smudging into your shirt. Yeah, it was disgusting. And you stunk as well, just, sp- just spraying it up with a bit of like, de- well, no, rubbing a bit of uh, roll-on deodorant <laughs> on the stems. We were keen to go out into Galway and try the Galway Ale, the Galway Hooker, which we were told about from this tour, and go and listen to some live music and just experience the nightlife of the city. And we were thinking, are they going to let us in? We are disgusting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, it it was just awful. I mean, mean, also the goal, like just going back to that Galway hooker. So people said, oh, yeah, when you get to Galway, you must try a pint of this Galway hooker. Now, you know, I'm no ale snob, but... I come from England, so, you know, we have a good range of real ale. We're the home of real ale, and by that time, I think even, um, perhaps even craft ales were coming in then, so I'd experienced a wide choice of beers. And they had this Galway hooker, and I was, like, really looking forward to it. We had this bit of a crappy day, really, and these problems, and I thought, yes, this pint of Galway hooker. And it was terrible. It was just an absolute poor man's lager. Real, real letdown, weren't it, Alan? It was terrible. Absolutely terrible, yeah. But we had our pints, we got our pictures, and then we moved on. Luckily, we were let in everywhere we went, and we had a few drinks in a few different establishments and got talking to a local couple, I remember, in a beer garden. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we had a really great night. 
And then what made it even better was when we were done, quite tipsy and feeling good again, still dirty, mind you, we went back to the hotel reception and there was this bloke called Connor who was doing the night shift. And I said to Connor, I got to say something about your colleague, mate. Not a fan. <laughs> he told us our laundry was going to be done. It wasn't done. Look at the state of us. And I showed you, Matt, in your Bermuda shorts and your, your top and me in my cack stained clothing. And Connor said, I'm really sorry. I'm going to get that laundry done for you. It'll be ready in the morning. He don't have to pay a cent. And I was like, now, there you go. Sometimes when you stand up and you make a complaint, it works out. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I mean, in fairness, yeah, that guy, I mean, he stepped up there. And uh, yeah, the laundry was right in the morning. We had to leave anyway, so it better have been right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too right. But no, um, looking back, Galway, good place. I, I would recommend people visit there. Definitely. My favourite four. Matt, let's play this favourite four game, eh? Oh, go on then, if I have to. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favourite mode of transportation? I like them all, but I'm going to say train. Fair play. Only because the reason... <sighs> It's got to be, like you say, not the American trains, or but in Britain, I quite like the train because you can just sit back, no hassle, you're not parking a car, it's just you can have a few beers, you can take it in, and if you've got the right company, that, that yeah, that's my favourite, really. What is your favourite walk or hike? I'll tell you what, um, I'll tell you what, Alan, I'm, it's probably one for another podcast episode or something, but do you remember when we did the hike to uh, Britain's most um, remote hostel? In the Lake District. Oh, yes. That was fun. I really enjoyed that hike because it was what most of the hikes I go on, you you know, they're, they're signed out, they've got markers and everything, and you're not. But with that hike, it was good to go back to the Ordnance Survey maps. Proper orienteering. I mean, no, not, not, we're not talking like, you know, Burr Grylls stuff here, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was good. It was good to be able to get on the maps, you know, look for like rivers, look for, um, you know, uh, major uh, points of interest or whatever, you know, like hill ranges and things, and that using that to find your way, and also that, also the achievement of getting to that uh, most remote hostel as well. Yeah, that could be a new episode for the podcast because some interesting things happened on that weekend we went away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What's your favorite beach? Right, strange one. <laughs> I've I've got very limited experiences of beaches, if I be honest, because as a family, I never, when I was younger, like, you know, when I was a kid or whatever, with mum and dad, we never really went on these, like, beach holidays or anything, and it's a straight, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say my favourite beach, like, the one I've, it was, was probably, like, um, Venice Beach, LA. Right, nice. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, there you go, very obvious, like, but what I liked about that beach was... Um, See, the usual, the beaches I was used to in England, like Southport and Blackpool, I mean, you're just watching for the turd, you know, if you go out in the water. I mean, no, I'm being harsh there. It's not like that anymore. They've, but in the 80s, the beaches were really bad in Britain, but they had a massive clean-up campaign, and they're all right now. But that Venice Beach, I mean, that's a real beach. I mean, you've got, like, surfers, people playing volleyball and things, and and I'd never had that experience as well where the beach is that hot when you walk on it. <laughs> I'd never, I'd never, you know, I was actually blistering. It was that warm. But no, it's a great place, Venice Beach. Lovely. And finally, what is your favourite book? Right. Wow, that is hard. That is a very hard question. I'm just looking at the bookshelf, actually. 
thinking like, you know, what's my favourite <laughs> book? <laughs> I'll tell you what, actually. I'm actually reading. Now, I'm going to tell you, because it's, it's quite hard, that, but I'm telling you a very good book I'm reading at the moment. Will this do? Will it, can I, am I allowed to use this as an answer? Sure. And it might appeal to our it might appeal to our listeners as well. It's called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Because I've recently <laughs> got into motorcycles and things, as you know, you know, as mm. you know. You don't have to be a motorcycle. I mean, you could, don't get me wrong. If you are, it's fantastic and you can relate. But basically, this guy goes on a trip. He goes with a he goes with his son and he goes with another family. And this book is more like a psychological book. And like the word Zen means everything at ease. And the whole book's about experiencing while, uh, different cultures and things while he's traveling, but also keeping his motorcycle in tip-top condition and everything being zen. And his um, friend who he travels with, he's someone who's there's always problems. He, he's always, he doesn't like, you know, he can't deal with anything outside the box. It's a really good book. Yeah, I'm reading it at the moment. I'm really enjoying it, and I recommend it to anyone. Perfect. Well, there you go. Smashed it. My favorite four. Two more things, Matt, and then we'll have to call it quits because we're running out of time here. Bring them on. This Irish road trip we did on the island of Ireland, do you have a high point and a low point of the trip that you could share? Yeah, I've got to say, I really enjoyed Belfast. This is coming from, you know, when I was younger growing up, obviously there were the troubles and everything, and it was like, it was seen as a no-go place. Well, I can tell you now that's completely changed and I really, there's a lot of culture there, a lot to be seen and I really enjoyed the Titanic Museum mm. and we also, at the time I remember, they had the, was it the Tall Ships Festival? Am I right there? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, so basically the Tall Ships Festival, I mean, what I understand of it is that every year they have this tall ships being old style like pirate ships, you know, like wind, uh, big sails and wind driven and I believe it's some kind of charity thing where people volunteer and they have this like race around the world or something in tall ships. I think it stops like, you know, all different ports of the world and it was stopping at Belfast that weekend. And it was just brilliant. You know, it, it coincided brilliantly with checking out the Titanic Museum. And so do you have a low point then? Uh, the, lo- the low point was the weather in general <laughs> you know and that's and that's not ireland's fault by any means it's just it just seemed to be whenever we went for a walk i mean if you remember if you remember we went to uh the tallest point in the republic of ireland and the tallest peak in northern ireland mm-hmm. and on both occasions we just got saturated and i like to say that's not ireland's fault by any means you know but <laughs> that if, if you go in if you go into ireland please take a per you know take some waterproofs you're gonna need them <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say one of my high points was you getting cacked on by those seagulls but yeah. <laughs> it's provided me entertainment for years that I'm ribbing you know whenever you and, and it must be to you Alan now whenever you think like oh hang on you've been a little tight with your money just remember just look up in the air and remember those seagulls <laughs> true true <laughs> now finally Matt I'm very curious to know obviously we're in COVID times but Ideally, these COVID times will relinquish at some point. What is your plan for your next road trip? Where and when and how? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't want to speak too soon on this COVID, but hopefully now we've got vaccinations happening. We may see some normality. 
The thing is, I don't know if we're going to be able to do foreign travel quite as quickly as I planned. Now, the other night, I was watching an interesting programme about the Isle of Man. And I really fancy taking the... I mean, you can get from where I live, you can get ferries over that are quite cheap and things off-season. I mean, I think I fancy taking the motorcycle over to the Isle of Man. It's somewhere I've never been. It, it intrigues me. I don't know why I've never been. People tell me it's like Britain, but like tw- but like behind Britain by 20 years. And it's, and there's also obviously the history there. They have the Isle of Man TT, which is a, like a, a road race, a, a famous road race they hold every year. And I think it's just something I've got to do. I've got to get over there. Great. Yeah, for me, Matt, I'm thinking about New Zealand at some point, yeah. getting a van and cruising around the islands in a van. That's sort of my dream road trip for the future once it becomes a valid again. Yeah, I can definitely see that New Zealand. It looks a fantastic place. And I think I'm completely naive here. I, mean, I don't know much about New Zealand, but I'm going to take it. It's not going to be a place with massive rail networks, is it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. So, yeah, it sounds fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go on that. Brilliant. You know, I'll await my invite, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could come the Isle of Man. I'll do your swap. You could come the Isle of Man. Yeah, sound. Uh. Well, Roadbergen, we've come to the end of this podcast. Just got to say, I really enjoyed chatting with you again. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your input and the laughs. And yeah, have to do this again with something different next time. Yep, anytime, Alan, anytime. Thanks for listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. And if you would like to listen to other interesting talks on travel, there are more podcasts available. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. And for updates, just follow me at The Nostalgic V. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time. Hey guys, if you enjoy listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond, why not support the podcast? If you haven't already, subscribe and you'll be notified when new apps drop. You can also support the podcast by leaving a rating or a review on your podcast app. Why not share this episode? Tell your friends about it if something resonated with you. Word of mouth is great promotion. If you're into social media, maybe post a screenshot of the episode or upload the link on your profile so your mates can see what interesting content you've been into lately. All your support comes straight back and helps to keep the travel content and nostalgia of this podcast going. Cheers. So don't forget to subscribe.